Well, with all of our announcements out of the way, let us go ahead and move along into our teaching for this morning. We're continuing our series on fearless prayer, and this morning we're going to be reading from Psalm chapter 40, verses 1 through 3. So if you want to open your Bible to Psalm 40, we're just going to be reading the first few verses there. Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3. Here at Redeemer, as we, as we do our best to declare the lordship of Christ over all Acadiana, we know that it is absolutely essential that, as, that if we're going to do that, we must be a people who knows God. And we have to know God more than just knowing him intellectually, but we need to know him relationally and experientially. And so that's why we're starting this year by having this series on prayer and fearless prayer. What we mean by that is moving beyond just the superficial, shallow prayers that we often pray that are full of cliches, that do not involve our heart at all, um, and are often lacking in any power. And so to do this, I've been um, choosing passages that have always just been very personally challenging to me related to prayer, and it's those passages that we've been looking at. The same is true for today. Um, Not that this is one that was particularly challenging to me, but one that spoke to me. A few weeks ago, I was, excuse me, just spending time in my own uh, devotion and prayer time, and I was reading this passage, and I I felt as though God was leading me to include this topic in our series on prayer. Uh, We were actually supposed to be done with the series by now, but I've been extending it. Uh, every every now and then as I think about, oh, we need to cover this, we need to cover this. So we're actually going to do it through February. Um, but yeah, this was one of those. And so we're going to read it and then look at what we have to learn from it. So Psalm 41 through 3, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry for help. He brought me up from a desolate pit out of the muddy clay and set my feet on a rock making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear, and they will trust in the Lord. Um, how many of you guys have ever been to a sonic drive-in before? One of our great American institutions, right? If you ever go to a sonic drive-in, you know that you, you go and you pull into one of, the, uh, one of the drive, one of the car stalls, I guess it's called, and uh, you go and you push a button and you get to talk to a person on the intercom uh, who's inside. And you tell them, you know, I want, I want a cheeseburger and I want chili cheese tots and I want a slushy and I want ice cream and I want a hot dog. And, you know, I mean, depending on how hungry you are, you, you give them your order and they say, OK. And they're like and, and they say, so here's what you wanted. Right. And you say, yeah. And they'll say, all right, it'll be right out. You wait a little while and then the food comes out to you just as you wanted. Maybe not always just as you wanted, but, but you know, uh, it, it comes out what you wanted. And every time you go, that's the experience you get. You push the button, you tell them what you want, and then you get what you want. Now, would any of you guys call that exchange a relationship? Yeah. I, I think most of us wouldn't call that a relationship. I don't know. Maybe you're really lonely or something. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, most of us wouldn't call that a relationship because a relationship involves what? It involves two-way communication, 
It involves not just one person in the relationship telling the other one what they want or telling the other one what's on their mind or what they're thinking about or what they're afraid of or what they're hoping for, and then never listening for feedback or never listening to the other person or just saying, you know what, I want this and I want that and I'm kind of nervous about this and, you know, here, here's this issue too. Okay, I'll wait, for, I'll wait to get all those things. That's not a relationship. But how many of us do, do, how many of us do we really have a prayer life that involves two-way communication? How many of us have a prayer life that involves two-way communication where we're not just treating God like the sonic drive install where we push a button and we tell God everything that we want and then we wait to get what we want? But instead, we go to the Lord and we have prayers that are, that are us bringing our needs bringing our hopes, bringing our fears, bringing what's on our mind, bringing the the needs of our community before him, but then also listening to him. You know, we call whatever this is that we have with God a relationship often, but for many of us, it doesn't bear what is one of the crucial attributes of a relationship, which is not just speaking, but also listening, two-way communication. And one of the simplest definitions that we use of prayer, I've said it before and you've probably heard it in many other places, is that, is that prayer is a conversation with God. But for how many of us are, are our prayers actually conversations? Or are they just unloading on him what we want or what we need or what we're thinking about, but not listening to him? So far in this series, we've been looking at a lot of passages that deal and, and that, that focus on us going before the Lord. You know, um, we looked at things like going before him in boldness and confidence because frequently we're held back by our own anxieties. We're held back by our own bad assumptions about God or bad knowledge. And, and, and so that holds us back from bringing to him what we really need. We, we address the issue of needing faith. We address the issue of seeking him primarily and ultimately. But today what we're going to look at as we've been in the past few weeks considering us speaking to God in prayer, today what we're looking at is how God speaks to us in prayer. We're looking at how God speaks to us in prayer so that we can continue to grow in fearless praying. And now one of the primary means that God uses so that he can speak to us in prayer and so that we can learn to listen is this, which is why we're using Psalm 40 as kind of our, you know, starting passage for today. He uses waiting. He uses us having to wait in prayer so that there's the space for us to listen, and so that there's the space for the relationship building. And so we're looking at this today. We're looking at reasons to wait, reasons to wait in prayer. Secondly, reasons to listen, reasons to listen in prayer. And then finally, reasons to be encouraged, because it can be hard. So reasons to wait, reasons to listen, and then reasons to be encouraged. Let's begin with reasons to wait. You know, I think that patience, uh, for many of us, is not one of our strong suits. And I think just generally as a culture, you know, if there are certain cultural virtues and vices that we all take part in, I think that patience is definitely not one of our like cultural virtues in the modern world today because we like to get everything that we want and we like to get it instantly. We don't like having to wait, right? Have you ever been uh, trying to watch a YouTube video or trying to watch something on Netflix and you, you get a few minutes into the show or the video and then all of a sudden it stops and that little icon comes up and starts spinning and you just, oh, 
oh, right? It's terrible having to wait all of a sudden. Or maybe it's, uh, it, it, it's sending a message to someone and waiting for them to respond to you. And oh, it, it, it causes anxiety inside of you. Or if traffic isn't perfectly flowing, like, boy, that's something we can all relate to in Lafayette, right? If, if traffic is slow or there's someone is stuck in front of you that's not going the speed limit, you know, it gets frustrating because patience is definitely not one of our virtues. We don't like waiting for the things that we want. We don't like uh, having to wait. We want to get the things we want, and we want it now. But in Psalm 40, verse 1, the psalmist, you know, this is one that's written after his answer to prayer. One of the things that's beautiful about the Psalms is that we can read about people and their relationship with God in so many different circumstances and so many different settings. And so we can read Psalms where, you know, it's obvious from the context of reading it that this is uh, before the person has received an answer to prayer, or this is before the person has um, had a resolution to the problem they're facing. And then we read others that come after, obviously. And so this is one of those that comes after because he's praising God that he heard him, that he pulled him out of the pit and so on. But notice what he says about the period before God answered. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord. And so what is implied here, or not even implied, what is told to us is that before this psalmist got his great answer to prayer, he had to wait. And I think it's a common experience for us, for those of us who are following God, and especially you've been following God for a while now, that you've gone through many periods where you have prayed and then you have had to wait for an answer. Praise God, sometimes our answers come quickly. We're in a moment of desperate need, and there's a deadline to that need, and God comes through. But there's other times where we pray and we wait, and we pray and we wait and we pray and we wait. Maybe for weeks, maybe for months, some of us for years, we pray for the same issue, for the same need, for the same person, and we have to wait patiently, like the psalmist describes here. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He says that while he was waiting for the Lord, he was in a desolate pit. He says, he brought me up from a desolate pit. So notice that while he was waiting, it's not as though is that he was waiting patiently for the Lord and this, and this need that he was praying for was something that was eh, not that important. And that he was waiting in relative comfort, security, everything was okay, he was comfortable, right? And so the waiting was easy. no. It says he's waiting for the Lord's answer in a desolate pit, in a lifeless place, in, in a dark place. Moreover, he describes it as uh, this pit that he was pulled out of was one with muddy clay, it says, right? It's, it, that, that's a place that, um, that lacks stability, right? Have you ever been in muddy clay? You know, it's slippery, it stinks, it's uncomfortable. This is the situation that he was in and that he had to wait in. So let's not start to assume that, you know, I'm in a, I feel like I'm in a desolate pit, and I feel like I'm in a place that's uncomfortable, that's insecure, that's, that lacks any stability, and praying to the Lord, and he's making me wait so these people in the Bible can't identify with what I'm going through. Because this guy was waiting in a pit in the muddy clay, right, and, and, and he had to wait there in that place. He experienced what so many of us often experience whenever we are waiting, when we look at our situation around us and we say, you know, how can God keep me here for much longer? Whether it's a need and a breakthrough in our, in our home, 
financially, whether it is a need for a resolve in a situation, whether it is a need that, we need, that we've been praying for a person, that we are waiting for the Lord to come through, and it's difficult to wait, this guy was in a place where it was difficult to wait to. Nevertheless, he said, I waited patiently for the Lord. Why? Why would he wait patiently for the Lord while he was in this pit instead of trying to crawl and climb his way out of it? Because he had confidence that the Lord would answer him and pull him out. He had confidence that even while he was waiting, it didn't mean that God didn't hear him and it didn't mean that God wasn't working. And so here's our first point. While we are waiting, God is working. While we are waiting in our prayers, for God to open that door for you, for God to bring maybe healing to an issue that you have or to your family, for God to bring reconciliation in a relationship, for God to um, work in the life of that person, to bring salvation, to bring knowledge of him that you've been praying for, while you're waiting, have confidence that God is working and that the waiting is not a sign from us that God doesn't hear us or that God is not working to answer our prayers. We can see, this is just one example, but we can see so many other examples in the Bible, and especially if we just looked at the Psalms, of having to wait in prayer, that there's too many for us to look at this morning. Let me just give you another one. This is actually one of, um, one of the most important verses in the Bible to me. But in Psalm 23, verses 13 and 14, the psalmist says, I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. That's what he wanted. That's what he wanted to see. But he had to wait. In verse 14, he says, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. This is a common experience to all of us. If you've been praying and you've been waiting, you know, it's really tempting to start feeling as though I'm the only person who's ever ever had to go through this. Maybe I'm just really immature and I'm the only one that's felt that. But I'd, I'd, I'd be willing to guess that some of us have felt that before. Maybe you haven't said it explicitly, but you have that feeling, you have that sentiment that, that no one can really understand what, what it's like for what I'm going through right now to have to wait and pray for the same thing and, and for it to go on for so long. But what we understand whenever we look at Scripture, and look, if you even just talk to the person to your left or right, is that this is a common experience for all of us. And that it's not a sign of God's not caring for us, but it's actually a part of God's good plan for us. Because let me ask you this. You know, it's easy to only look at the visceral needs and, and experiences that you have going on right now. But if I asked you to just reflect on your whole life with God for however long you've been walking with him. And look at the times that God has answered your prayers. And look at, look at the times that you had to wait for the answer to prayer. And let me ask you this. Was there, how many times did you have to wait for an answer to prayer and wasn't the timing always perfect? Or didn't God have something great for you in that time while you were waiting? I think for many of us, we go through times where we are waiting on the Lord to answer our prayers. But if we wait well, then we see all the other things that God is doing in our life in that time of waiting how he grows our faith, how he draws us closer to himself, how uh, we, we come to know him more because we are so aware of our need for him. And then we receive the answer to that prayer that we had. And in retrospect, we look and we understand, man, you know, I was praying for, 
Like I was praying for this. I was praying for that open door. Or I was praying for help in repenting from this sin or whatever else it might be. But then you look back and you recognize that God answered your prayer, not just by opening the door, but all of the waiting and everything that he was doing in your life and how he changed you was a part of the answer. How many times have you experienced that? If you've been walking with the Lord, I bet we all have stories like that. Why do we have to wait? Why? Well, if we're waking, if while we are waiting, God is still working, there's a few re- possible reasons why we have to wait. First is this. First, God might be doing a lot more than you expect. Maybe you're having to wait for a specific answer to prayer because God is doing a lot more than what you even expect. Have you ever had a prayer that you've been putting before the Lord and you had to wait? Or maybe the, the opportunity that you were looking for passed you by, but then down the road, God gave you something even better than what you had asked for? Sometimes the reason that we have to wait is because God is doing even more than what we expect. Sometimes the reason that we have to wait and the reason that we have to experience a closed door here or a disappointment there is because God has a better answer waiting for us. You know, I think that we often, um, you know, we, we try to, we often put God in a box and we're praying for a specific answer to prayer. And we assume that God's answer can only be a yes or a no, right? Either God will give me exactly what I'm asking for, or he will give me the cold shoulder, which God will never do. But sometimes God's answer to prayer isn't just a yes or a no, but sometimes it's a not yet. You got to wait. So not yet. You got to wait. You don't know what else he is doing. You don't know all the moving parts to what God needs to do in the world and in the people around you. You know, maybe it's something that in your job that you were praying for, and you don't know all the things that God wants to do in that bigger situation to answer your need in prayer and that job issue than just opening that door, right? You know, you're, you're praying to get into this field or to get into this company, but you don't know what God is doing in those com- on the inside of those companies to make a way for you to go in, right? So sometimes his answer is not yet. And you know what else? Sometimes his answer is, it's not a no, but it's a not this. Have you ever been, you know, if we can put it this way, knocking on doors in prayer? You're knocking on doors and you get a closed door, you get a closed door, but then eventually down the road, after a couple of closed doors, you get an open one. You were heading in the right direction. You were knocking on the right doors, but God, in his wisdom and goodness, he was just saying, not this one, not this one, this one. Why do we have to wait? God might be doing a lot more than you expect. He might be going beyond even what you're praying for to something better. He might be doing a lot more in the situation than you can even see or comprehend, and in his providence, it'll take time. Second, why do we have to wait? God might be doing something different from what you expect. Sometimes God in his goodness knows what we need, or not sometimes. He always knows what we need even better than what we do. And so sometimes that means that we are praying for the wrong thing, and God is having us wait because he has what we truly need in store for us. And so sometimes we have to wait because God is doing something different from what you expect, right? Let me give you a third reason. So he might be doing more than what you expect. He might be doing something different from what you're asking for. The last one is this. 
God might be preparing you for the answer. You know, those, those first two, like I said, it's things that we just, these are possible reasons, but until we receive our answer to prayer, we don't know exactly what God is doing. We know he's doing something. We know that it's not that he's not listening. But this one we can know is always true. Whenever God has us wait in prayer, one of the possible reasons is always this. God might be preparing you for the answer that he has coming for you. You know, you've been praying for that open door opportunity in, in your family, or you've been praying for that open door opportunity in your job or, or uh, in, in school and so on, and you're having to wait. But it's because you're having to wait because God is preparing you to be the kind of person who will be able to go through that door, who whenever you get that opportunity for greater responsibility or, uh, and so on, that you will be someone who can bear that greater responsibility. You know, it's like, let's say you've got your, your two-year-old child, and they say, I want a bicycle for Christmas. And you say, okay. And so you go and you get them a little tricycle. And they said, no, I wanted a bicycle. The one like, my, you know, like cousin so-and-so has. The, you know, the teenager who can ride around and jump ramps on their bike with two wheels and no training wheels. Right? No, I wanted that. I want that. But, you know, you're not ready for that. And so whenever they ask, you know, I want a bicycle. And so you get them one and you have training wheels on it. And they're upset. Oh, I didn't want training wheels. I want the real thing. You recognize, look, I want the same thing as you. But I've got to get you ready for that right? I want you to have a bicycle. I want you to ride a bicycle. I want you to jump the ramps and do the tricks, but but you got to start here and then here and then here. How many times do we go to the Lord in prayer and we're asking for something that we are just not ready for? Maybe it's not even that it's an issue of we're not ready for in terms of, uh, of like capacity, right? Maybe it's a, it's a job opportunity that it's not so much that you're not ready for it in terms of leadership capacity or the ability to bear the responsibility of that job, but you're not ready in your character. Maybe God knows you need to have better faith in me before you're ready for that, right? You need to be closer to me. You need to be humbled in me before you get that because if you got that now, it'll, your head will explode, Right? It'll, it'll just blow up your ego. How many of you guys have ever been through something like that? There is this place that you wanted to get to in life that you were driving after, that you were wanting, that you were pursuing. And years down the road, you finally get to that place, and you recognize, you know, God did so much in me, growing my character, growing my faith in him, oftentimes, like I said, humbling me. So whenever you got to that place, it's not just about competence, but it's also about the character that God developed in you and the things he did in your relationship that made you ready to receive that answer and that desire that you had had all those years before. While we are waiting, you can always know this. God is working. God is working while you're waiting for those answers to prayer. While you're in the desolate pit and in the mud, it's not as though he doesn't hear you or that he is giving you the cold shoulder. He is working. He might be doing it for various different reasons. But regardless of whatever reason it is that we might not know for a time, we can know this, that if God is working while you're waiting, then don't waste your waiting. 
Don't waste the waiting. Especially this, if we can always have a confidence that while I am waiting, God is preparing me and he is doing something in me for that answer to prayer. Because what God desires for me is always more than just that specific answer to prayer, but my growth in Christ's likeness and my uh, and developing a closer relationship with him. Because we know that God always desires that for us. If he has, has us in a period of waiting, then don't waste your waiting. Don't waste your waiting in terms of the opportunities that you have for growing in faith. We've talked before in this series on the necessity of continuing in prayer, of having the faith to persevere in praying for a a need or whatever else it is until God answers that prayer. You know, maybe in the waiting, God has growth in faith for you that you will have to uh, experience by persevering in prayer. So don't waste that opportunity to grow in faith. Don't waste that opportunity to learn more about him and whatever it is that he has for you in that situation. And also there's this. You know, maybe, you know, oftentimes our prayer is born out of some dissatisfaction with the current situation that we're in, whether that be professional, whether that be relational, and a wanting to have a better situation professionally or relationally. But while you're waiting for that, you still have the situation that you're in. You have the job or the profession that you feel like, you know, it's not ideal for me, but it's still where God has me. And so I still have to give it my best in obedience to him. While I am waiting for something that I, that I, I believe he has for me down the road, he still has me here. Maybe it's relationally. And we, we got a lot of singles here. And you are waiting for that marriage relationship down the road. You're waiting for that person down the road that God has for you that you will build a family life with. And you're praying for that and you're waiting. But you know what? He still has the life of singleness for you right now and things that he wants you to be doing right now. And so don't waste that waiting. Don't waste the waiting. There's another psalmist Like I said, there's so many passages related to this that we don't have time for today. But there's another psalmist who wrote a psalm. This is Psalm 46. And in Psalm 46, it's obvious whenever you read it that uh, that the people were under threat from enemies around them. They're in a time of uh, great distress and of threats around them. And the psalmist is writing about, uh, in verse 1, he says, you know, in this time, remember the wondrous works of our God. Remember the wondrous works of our God. And then in the, later on in the psalm, uh, God becomes the active speaker and says this in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. In their time of distress and of great need and of threats, God wants them to be still and hear and know something about himself. Trying to remind them, be still and remember all the wondrous works that I have done for you. And what does that mean for you now? Be still and know that I am God. God wants to give them peace. But what if they aren't listening? What if they aren't listening for God's word to be still and then know what he has for them? What if they are unwilling to be still and listen to what God has for them? Like I said before, so often our prayers are just, here's all the things that I want, and then I move on. And we never take that moment of stillness to listen to the Lord and what he has for us. And so God wants to give them peace. Be still and know that I am God, but what if they aren't listening? 
Here's our second major point for today. While we are waiting, God is speaking. While we are waiting, God is speaking. This is also closely connected to not wasting your waiting. Not wasting your waiting is a lot more than just make sure that you continue the work that God has for you with your utmost ability until he opens a door, right? It's about that. But waiting well is a lot more than just uh, staying active. It's also about stillness at the right times. It's about the stillness to learn how to listen to what God is trying to tell you and what God is trying to do in you and for you during the times of waiting. So while we are waiting, remember God is working and God is speaking to us. This is what I'm talking about, how for some of us, we've been blessed with going through experiences where we pray and we pray and we pray and we we wait for God to come through in whatever it is that we're praying about. But if we wait well, then all these things happen in our heart and in our character and our relationship with God just blossoms through that time of waiting so that whenever we get the answer to prayer, we realize that it's not just that specific answer that I was looking for that God gave me, like the whole experience was an answer that I needed. But for that to happen and for it to be something much greater than just like treating God like a cosmic vending machine, as I've said before, we got to learn how to be still and to listen so that the work he's wanting to do in you, you'll be able to know and participate with him in the time of waiting. How do we listen to God? How do we learn how to be still and listen to him? Let me give you four points, four points of how God speaks to us. First, God speaks through his word. God speaks through his word. Through his word, I'm talking about the Bible. While we are praying and waiting, we must learn to listen by, li- by reading his word and hearing what he has to say through us. Do you guys ever pray with your Bible in your hands? I know that we know, uh, we often pair together in our devotion times, Bible reading and prayer, but let me encourage you and remind you that Bible reading and prayer should not be two uh, separated activities, but you, mu- you should bring them together. And that a deeper experience of God's word, to recognize what it means whenever it says in Hebrews that his word is living and active, you've got to pair that reading with praying in the spirit. And for your, your prayer life to become far richer and far greater, you need to bring the word into it. Because God has things that he wants to tell you through reading his word. Even through reading stories and through reading passages that you've read a dozen times before. Yeah, have you ever experienced this? You read a story from the Gospels in the life of Jesus that you've heard preached from the time you were in Sunday school, through youth group, through church sermons and and, and big people church and so on. You've read it in your own devotion times, but then you're going through this specific time where there's a need that you're praying for or or a, a certain stressful situation that you're going through. And you're reading the word of God with your heart open to the spirit and trying to listen to what he has to say. And you come to that story that you've heard so many times before and all of a sudden it hits you afresh. There's something you never saw before. There's something you never experienced before, an angle and a perspective that you, never, that you never had before, but that he shows you now. It's amazing. Have you ever experienced that? It's, what a gift. God speaks to us through his word. He directs us. He guides us. He, he, sometimes he corrects us. 
as he speaks to us through his word. So while you're waiting in prayer, be sure that you're waiting with your Bible in your hands, with the Bible open, uh, trusting that as you are reading through these passages, maybe some that you're reading for the first time or that you're reading for the hundredth time, that the Spirit of God has something to say to you in guidance or correction or direction and so on that he has for you in that moment. So he speaks through his word. Secondly, God speaks through his people. God speaks through his people. This is why it is so important, one of our commitments as a church, that we are committed to the covenantal community. This is why it is so important that you are committed to covenantal community, being along with other people who are following Christ in Sunday morning services, worshiping together in D groups, in your family, in what you choose to do in your free time, that you are surrounding yourself with other people who are Christ-like, with other people who are godly, with other people who are also in the word and in prayer. Because whenever you surround yourself with these people, it opens up more channels that God can give you his wisdom. Because perhaps you are praying for something or you're in a time of waiting and you're sharing about it with your D group. And God has already worked in someone else's life in a similar situation. Or, you know, God, God has already given someone else in their life, in your D group, some experiences or some wisdom or some insight through something that he's done with, with them that they can now share with you. It's not just your clever friend's ideas, but it's God's working in that person that they now become a channel of God's word to you. This can happen in your marriage. Your spouse can be a channel of, of God speaking to you. Whenever you are, whenever you're talking with your spouse, and you know, if you're not married, this could be a close friend. We were talking with them about a decision that you're trying to make. Once again, trusting that they are a Christ-like person and that they are someone who listens to the Spirit of God, God might give them some insight that they are to share with you. Sometimes it can be sin that we're confronted in, right, that, that God shows them and that they bring to us. But that's God speaking through them to you, through spouses, through godly friends. You know what, also, through a sermon. One of the most obvious ways that God can speak to us through people is by submitting ourselves to the teaching of the word. Do you come in on Sundays or if throughout the week you're listening to a sermon podcast or watching other sermons on YouTube as well, do you listen to those not just to fill up your mind with more knowledge, but expecting to have God speak to you through it? having your heart open, asking, preparing yourself before the worship service for the Spirit to, to open your mind and your heart to receive what he has for you to learn from it that day. He speaks through his word. He speaks through people. Thirdly, God can speak to us through circumstances. Now, on the one hand, we need to make sure that we don't go so far into, you know, becoming almost like, uh, almost like astrologers and trying to you know, read God's working uh, in, in, into every little detail and situation of our lives. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about, of course, with prayer and the word and with godly counsel, just by the simple things of God opening a door or God closing a door, he's speaking to us, right? Like I said before in, the, in this sermon, sometimes God's answer to our prayers is a not yet. And how do we know it's a not yet? Because he hasn't opened the door yet, <laughs> You know, that's what I mean. God can speak to us through our circumstances. Or sometimes his answer to our prayers is a, not this. It's that door that closed. Sometimes he opens doors, and we know through our community. We know in, in, through the Spirit urging us in our hearts that this door opening is God's invitation. 
And so he can speak to us through our circumstances as well. The last one is this. So he can speak to us through his word, through people, through circumstances. Lastly, he speaks to us through his spirit. This is why it is so necessary that you learn to be still and listen. Sometimes we are all, we're, we're so active. We're in that desolate, muddy pit, and we are trying with all of our might to climb out of it, though we're not taking the time to be still and to listen to the Spirit's prompting in our hearts. Or even as we go throughout our day, as you're making your daily commute to work, or as you are in the office, or as you're on your, your breaks, or you're having lunch, whatever else, you are in those times not allowing and inviting God into all those times as well. So that you would learn how to be someone who, can, who, learn, who, who is always listening as you're going throughout your day. Your heart softens to the Spirit. As the Spirit prompts us, moves us, leads us. So he speaks to us through his word, people, circumstances, and his spirit. So what this means is, is learn how to listen. If while we are waiting, God is speaking to us, then we need to become people who learn how to listen. Learn how to listen by applying and working on the things that I've just listed here, of praying with the Bible in your hands and with it open, with your heart open. Uh, going to God and asking him to help you to learn how to discern his spirit prompting you in your life. Uh, start doing better at surrounding yourself with godly friends, with others who are spirit-filled so that in the wisdom that God has given them, they might speak to you. And you know what? You might already be surrounded with them, but you're not opening up to them. So learn how to listen. But it can be hard still. While we're waiting, while we're learning to listen, if you're still in that place that feel, feels like a desolate pit, it can become hard, become difficult. We can struggle with continuing, not giving into a cynicism or a bitterness that God actually is still working and that he is still speaking. And so how do we stay encouraged to continue in faith and in prayer? By remembering this, the last point, though we are waiting, we are heard. Though we are waiting, we are heard by God. We need to remember this, that his silence in answering a specific prayer doesn't mean his absence. In Psalm 34, 15, it says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry for help. And so even whenever it feels as though, you know, he's not, my prayers aren't being answered. Where is he? What is he doing? You know, even I'm trying to learn how to listen, but look, for anyone who's tried to learn how to listen, they can tell you it takes some time to learn how to listen. And so even I'm trying to learn how to listen, but I just feel like I'm not getting anywhere in prayer still. The only way that you will be able to continue still is to, once again, look at what he, God says to you in his word, that his eyes are on you, that his ears are open to you, that he is listening, that he hears you, that you're not alone, that he has answers waiting for you, that he has greater experiences of himself in a deeper relationship with himself that he has waiting for you. And that just because you're waiting and that just because you are struggling to listen doesn't mean that he is not there. And it doesn't mean that he is far from us. Remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 8. This is a little bit longer uh, passage I'll read. In Romans chapter 8, he says, What then are we to say about these things? 
If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He is also seated at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Often when we are waiting in prayer and we are struggling to listen, it feels as though, as, as though we're separated from that love, that we're not experiencing it, like it's not there. Paul says, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Those are a lot of powerful things. I know that distress has often made me feel as though I'm separated from the love of God. Affliction has often made me feel as though I, I am separated from the love of God. Paul asks, can those things separate us? In verse 37, he says, no. He says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How do we continue? How, how do we receive encouragement to continue praying, to not waste our waiting, to listen, even while we are in the desolate pit? Because we recognize that even the desolate pit cannot separate us from the love of God that is for us in Christ Jesus our Lord. And let's not pass over, before we close, let's not pass over that incredible and profound last phrase. The love of God that is for us, he says, in Christ Jesus our Lord. What does that mean? It means that God's unbreakable, inseparable, unstoppable, infinite love for us is secured for us, not in our own works, or not because we have waited so well, or not because we have prayed with such passion and fervor, but it is secured for us in Christ Jesus. Meaning that because Jesus took our condemnation on himself and paid our debt on the cross, our sins are once and for all forgiven, and we have been reconciled to God in Jesus Christ. Because we have experienced these things in the gospel, because he has blessed us with these gifts in the gospel, that inseparable, unchangeable, unbreakable, infinite, steadfast, covenantal love of God that is for us, that cannot be broken by any of those things that Paul described. It is for us, secure in Jesus Christ. And so whenever I, I, I am wrestling in affliction and I'm wrestling in distress and the waiting is causing me to have doubt and, and want to become cynical or give up, and I'm reminded, no, that I still have God's love, but how do I really know that God still has love for me? Because of Jesus because of his work on the cross and overcoming death itself on my behalf. And so, because of Christ, I can wait in the trust that God is working, though I cannot see it now. Let's pray. Father, we come before you with our hearts open, wanting to receive the word from your spirit. Lord, ready to hear 
the answers that you have for us, even in the waiting. Lord, how you're, you're revealing sin and you're, you're, you're revealing idols that we hold on to in our waiting. And so we have opportunities to repent from those things. You're revealing ego. You're revealing envy that's inside of us. You're revealing maybe even anger and bitterness that, that we're holding on to, that you want to do heart surgery on and deal with those things to prepare us for the answers to prayer that you have for us. So, Father, this morning, our hearts are open and ready to hear what you have for us. Lord, strengthen us in the encouragement that comes from knowing that your eyes are set on us, your ears are open to, to us, that we know that we are in your love, in Christ Jesus. No matter how dark and muddy the desolate pit we are in feels, that no matter how desperate the situation we are in feels, or how long we have been waiting, or what kind of forces of the world are against us, that your love for us is unbreakable, we cannot be separated from your love, and so we know that even while we wait, we are waiting in your love. Help us to have trust and greater faith in these truths that you tell us from your word, and that they would empower us to wait well and to persevere in prayer as we wait. We pray these things in the name of our Savior, in whom we have the security and the uh, the confidence that we have your love. We pray in his name.